0: This episode, go on, get out of here. You got everything you came for. Welcome back to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. Uh, We're continuing our look at different record labels that influenced us and record labels that we loved over the years. This is our look at polyvinyl records, and uh, my guest today is none other than Bob Nana, from the band Braid and Hey Mercedes And uh, in recent times he's got his solo project going on uh, Bob's been a guy that's been around in the scene The post-hardcore scene for years Of course Braid being one of those influential bands of time uh, So we're going to talk about that Talk about some of my favorite records that Bob has has released uh, From Braid, including the, the Braid reunion And his time in Hey Mercedes All the good stuff, we're going to chat about that But of course he's here to share his five favorite releases From Polyvinyl Records So we're going to dive into that as as well. Before we get to the interview, though, uh, let's get the housekeeping out of the way. Go follow us on Facebook. Yeah, sure, you can follow us on Facebook. But what I meant to say was Instagram and Twitter at Growing Pod. You'll find our personal Instagrams and Twitters there as well. Of course, our website, GrowingPunkPod.com. Uh, we've got merch that's available there. We've also got uh, the Patreon if you just want to become a monthly supporter. If you like what we're doing here, we've also got blogs and different reviews uh, that pop up on there from time to time. And of course, wherever you are listening to this or watching it, uh, subscribe, thumbs up, rate it, review it, whatever you need to do, wherever you're, like I said, wherever you're taking it in, tell your friends all about it. Anyways, let's not waste any more time. This is my conversation with Bob Nana from Braid and Hey Mercedes about his five favorite releases on Polyvinyl Records. (laughs) First of all, I guess, thanks for doing this. This was kind of almost happenstance. I think I commented on something. You, oh, you referred to your house as the Nanodome.
1: <laughs> Which I is a th- problem. I should have I, I called it Nana Manor.
0: <laughs> Nana Manor. That's pretty good, too. But I, I better. But I saw it on Twitter, and I was like, that's hilarious, the Nanodome. And, uh, yeah, so here we are, anyway, after a few Twitter exchanges back and forth. but We made um, it happen. We made it happen. And so, yeah, thanks, thanks again for doing this. But I thought we could start, like, going going way back way back to the beginning do you remember childbirth yeah exactly do you remember childbirth um do do you remember kind of like the first punk band album show whatever it was that kind of like introduced you to the whole to the whole diy kind of punk world
1: um yes um it was when i was in grade school so you know seventh grade eighth grade I started yeah. to get into like more like metal yeah. Right. Uh, and before that I was more into like top 40 stuff and whatever, whatever was on the radio yeah. or on and MTV. But um, towards the end of my grade school, I started listening to metal and started listening to maybe some of the counter, what was the, the counter mainstream uh, yep. sort of stuff. And then that led me to um, learn about like hardcore. Sure. Yeah. Like so,, um, and I was also getting a little bit interested in the local bands i I, I grew up in Chicago, I live in Chicago, I'm born and born and bred, born and raised. Um, so I was starting to getting into some of like what the local metal scene was, even though I was so young. it's not like I could go to shows or anything like that, right, but um, I could go to stores and see what local tapes and stuff they had for sale. When I went to high school was when I was introduced to Fugazi.
0: Sure, yeah, yeah. Um,
1: so it was my, you know, I when I started getting into hardcore, you know, people were like, oh, Minor Threat and Black Flag and even like some of the more metal ones like DRI and stuff like that. But when it was, when I uh, got to high school and someone said, oh, you like Minor Threat, you should check out Fugazi. This was 89. Right. Um, to let you know how old I am. And then <laughs> on, uh, I, I, I'll, I remember this, so vividly because you asked, you know, was there a specific show or something that maybe changed my life or like changed the trajectory of my yeah <laughs> my life? It's got to it's got career. to where you are it yeah was, where you are now. <laughs> it was it was Fugazi. I saw Fugazi play uh, on June fourteenth, nineteen ninety, here in Chicago, um, and it was my fifteenth birthday, and it was completely life-changing because I saw a band that was not like what you heard on the radio. They had a lot of energy, but yet this sort of like DIY or like this ethos where it was like they, at parts of this, of the set, they had people come on stage and play their instruments. (laughs) It was just like a complete, like my, my mind was wiped clean of like, Um, hair metal or the pomp of like being a front person on stage or whatever and just being like it really brought it to a level that made me think I belong here I could do that and when I do that I want to do it like that you know so that was that was 100% of the show
0: it's it's incredible the number of times you know you just kind of like Fugazi just such such an insane band when you think about it because when i like that question i've asked that to a number of different people and the number of times that fugazi is kind of that first band that yeah. really set it off for them and i mean i remember hearing about fugazi like obviously i i'm a, I'm a few years younger than you but mm-hmm. fugazi i don't i don't know if they by the time i'd heard of them i don't know if they ever came up here so i'm i'm in alberta in canada yeah. so we wouldn't get a ton of shows through here you get i mean whatever but um you just always heard about this band, Fugazi, Fugazi, and so finally, as I was a bit older and I checked them out, I was just like dumbfounded. Even now, right yeah. to go back and watch those old show videos that are on YouTube and whatever, and just be like, oh, that just looks like a time.
1: It it really was, and you know the videos are great, but I don't want to be this guy, but kind <laughs> of you kind of had to be there to a be little there, bit, for sure, yeah. But it was yep. it was just so so formative and just like a really just set the course for like literally my entire life.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. So yeah. then uh do you remember do you remember the first time hearing about Polyvinyl? I feel like you were probably there from pretty darn near the beginning.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was the beginning. Yeah. The first braid show was in 1993 um in Danville, Illinois, which was near Champaign Urbana, which is where I was going to college. Right. And we, I got down there and we started the the band started. I met some people down there. The band started pretty quickly, and we played our first show in December that first year. And it was in Danville, and Matt Lunsford from Polyvinyl set up the show. He hmm. was friends with um, Todd and Roy, who were in Braid. Um, they like skate. They were like part of a skate crew, and they right. would go to shows and stuff. So. This was before Polyvinyl even existed. Um, he started doing a zine. After yep. that, Polyvinyl started as a zine. Yeah. And then he started doing records. You know, I think maybe after the third or fourth zine, he started doing records. But, yeah. Um, and then Braid was one of the first yeah. um, bands he, he put out a 7-inch pie. So, yeah, it was right from the beginning. We were pretty... Or I, That's awesome. We pretty connected, yep.
0: Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, maybe... Um... Real quick, and maybe you kind of touched on this just by talking, you know, about going and seeing Fugazi and stuff like that. But uh, what, uh, when you started Braid, what was kind of the, I don't know if like the idea is the right thing to say. Because, I mean, Braid's kind of become, you know, they're one of those influential bands, right? That like influence the next generation. I don't know if, you know, if I, I think it's fair to say that. So when going in and starting the band, what was kind of your your game plan I guess because you weren't just going and recreating what you had heard right like from other bands
1: mm, no I mean not really but maybe sort of I th- it wasn't like we were trying to copy other bands but we right. definitely took what we loved about Fugazi and what we yeah. loved about Jawbox and what we loved about um, Hoover and what we loved about Jawbreaker to be to be honest, and that's what sort of came out when we started Braid. Right. Um, you know, it's it took a, it took a little while. Like the, our first few shows, we were pretty terrible. <laughs> we were, I think, trying to. And I this was the first band I ever like played guitar in. I was in a bunch of bands before that, but I was playing drums. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I wasn't super used to playing guitar and singing and being in in, in front. And we were I think we were trying really hard to be an exciting live band more than we were trying to be a good band, right m- musically speaking, yeah so um, that was that. I mean, we were just yeah tr- trying taking everything we were taking in and really um, loving and trying to do our our spin on it
0: Sure. so let's jump in then to uh the five records that you you picked from polyvinyl.'ll we'll, uh we're going to kind of go. Back and forth a little bit because I thought sure. it'd be fun if you shared. Uh, you know, we go through the five, but also in the meantime, I go through some of the stuff that you put out that I love. Uh, so yeah, we'll we'll do a bit of a back and forth. But the first one that I wanted to bring up uh, that you sent me is kind of different because a it as far like it, it's a compilation, but that yeah. feels like a stretch to call it a compilation.
1: It's it's yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, and then also I mean because compilations obviously play played a huge part in the growth of you know the scene especially through the 90s um and we've we've talked about a number of kind of like uh pivotal compilations or what have you Uh, (laughs) but this was just released a couple years ago or even last 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 year yeah so the the album i'm talking about is exquisite corpse guess why I say it's kind of a compilation? Can you explain what is happening here? Because there are a ton of familiar names, but they're all over the place.
1: My cat wants to join. Um, I should get my cat. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so um, at the beginning of the pandemic rage of last year, right around this time last year, uh, as you probably know, a lot of labels and Bands and things like Bandcamp were doing all these reactionary fun things f- right. to help musicians or to keep musicians creative and occupied and tuned in and switched on because it was kind of a bummer time for everyone. I had a new record coming out, I had yeah. tours booked, couldn't obviously they all got canceled. So Polyvinyl, it was actually Kaya Fisher from um, Reina Maria came up with this idea to do uh, a project where. They would. They basically sent an email to everybody who would ever put out anything on polyvinyl and said, we have this idea. Do you want to be a part of it? What we're going to do is everyone who wants to be in this is going to be split up into bands. Mm. Um, and then you are going to find out who's in your band <laughs> and you're going to write and record a song in your own, you know, some, however you want to do that um, and then we're gonna have um, TJ from Aloha did um, some of the mastering and stuff that okay. I think had to be done to it and then we're, we're gonna release it and so that's what it is it's like uh, I think it's 13 12 or 13 songs and each song is by a different band yeah. of people but the bands aren't they don't exist yeah, yeah. Like, these aren't bands that exist. Like, for instance, I was, ch- I, um, my band was, uh, me and, um, Tankard, uh, Jess, yep, yep, Jess yep. yeah. And, yeah. She was
0: in Now Now. Or yeah. Used to be in Now Now, yeah.
1: Yep. And, um, uh, Luke from Anamanaguchi. Okay. And James Alex from Beach Slang. Okay, yeah. And so we got all we all got on this uh email chain and we were just like, oh I, here's here's what I can record, here's my here are my capabilities. Jess was like, well, oh, I could play bass too. And I so what I did is I wrote this sort of very, very bare bones demo type thing, sent it to everybody, Jess came back, added something else, added a vocal melody to it, and um yeah, it just it sort of went from there. I, what I really wanted was, for our song was, you know, I think the idea of an Exquisite Corpse art project, right, is you see like the edge, of, like somebody draws something and then they sh- pass it to the next person right. and they'll see part of it and then they'll continue the drawing without knowing the beginning part. We I, They didn't really give us any instructions to like do anything like that where it's just like pass it along. We just decided right from the beginning it was like, well, let's make a song. Yeah. Let's make, let's all get together and make a song. And I, I had this idea I wanted um, me to sing one verse and then Jess to sing one verse and then James to sing one verse. And I thought that would be fun, Yeah. but James didn't want to <laughs> sing. He didn't want to sing on it.
0: That's fair, I guess. But he did
1: play He did play some guitar on it, which yeah. was cool. But anyway, so I was happy with how our song came out. Yeah. And then when I got the finished product, I was just blown away. Some of the songs are kind of a mess, but I think it's because maybe they just went at it a different way. They, they took it where it was like, well, I'm going to write the first half and then Mm. I'll pass it to you and you write the second half and so, and so forth. But then there are some songs that you can tell they just got together and like, well, let's make a song, a cohesive song. And there's a song in there called some storms. Yeah. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's Matt, Matt Pryor sings it.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's just... Matt
1: Pryor. It's Nick from um, Mr. Heavenly. Okay. And uh, Aaron, who is in uh, Headlights or Psychic Twin, I think. But yeah, it's just like so so well done.
0: So, with with that album, was it was was what like a a person? Were they only on one song? Because I know like yeah. they like listed them by band, right? So like. Or I'm mean, in your case, it was your name, but like the Get Up Kids appear on there a couple of times. but I'm assuming it's just different members of the Get yeah. Up Kids appearing on different songs. Correct. Uh, yeah. No. That that was pretty great. Um, when I first opened it, I was like, what What is this? And like the it's first tough name, to explain. Yeah. Well, and the first name that I saw come up uh, was Pedro the Lion, and I was yeah. like, oh, I love. Was it? Did it say Pedro or did it say David? Mine's a David Bizon. Yeah. Either or. Like he's Bizon's one of my all-time favorite songwriters and so to like see the name I'm like okay but what is happening here because you know you put the song on and i don't hear a david Bazan song right so like no. i don't know what he did on that song exactly but yeah I don't uh, but yeah it's a, it's a pretty unique idea and uh so what i guess what is it about that particular album that makes your is it just the whole experience that you had with it that makes it kind of so special
1: yeah 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 and it but i mean it's my experience with it but it's this sort of experience that everybody was having because we yeah felt this kinship and community we were all going through yeah you know something unique and awful but it, this was some way to channel our creativity into something really really cool and unique and special yeah and yeah i i loved it i've I, I want to, hope, hopefully they do it again this year. <laughs> let yeah, do it of, again. I'll i to be in a new band.
0: You're right. Yeah, there you go. And I assume as like a songwriter, it's kind of just a different, um, a unique sort of experience in doing something completely different than how I'm assuming you would normally do it.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, you know, I help run this website called Downright where artists are on there being commissioned to do songs. So a lot of times you're getting um, somebody's story and then you write a song about right. it so I like those sort of challenges and this was yeah. definitely one of them to do the Exquisite corp- cool. Corpse where it's just you're, you're out of your comfort zone yeah. and sometimes you surprise yourself with what you uh, come up with
0: That's awesome, let's move into uh, I guess discussing more of your writing uh, because the first record I wanted to talk about from from your library uh, came a few years after Braid had been going but uh, also mm-hmm. right right before they were done the first time Uh, but I want to talk about the album Frame and Canvas yeah and so this record for me this is what we'll get into I guess my introduction to uh, your catalog of work in a little bit because this wasn't it it was actually Hey Mercedes that introduced me uh, to your music and I can remember hearing Hey Mercedes and people going but yeah have you heard Braid because Uh basically this is braid and I'm like right. okay so so braid was this name that I carried around with me forever of this band that was you know um that was no longer around and it actually took until reading uh are you familiar with the book post by Eric yeah. Grubbs yeah. yeah so I I think there was a whole chapter on you guys in there and uh, yeah. so in one thing I love to do when reading books that are you know about music and whether it's scenes or 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 you know, like genre, subgenres, whatever is as you're going through. As I'm going through it, like kind of listening to the music that's specifically being brought up. So you mm. know, the, the entire time I'm reading a chapter about braid, I'm listening to braid, right? And mm. uh, so that was my first actual real introduction. I had Eric on on the podcast quite some time ago. Amazing. Yeah, and uh, that like that book still. I I talk about it so much. Um, so if I anyone's listening,
1: I think he's working on another one too.
0: Yes, he is. Uh, okay. I don't know. He's if told I me have said that.: No, 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 I, th- I think he actually said it in, when okay. I had him on the podcast as well. I was just trying to think if he had a name for it, um, which I don't recall. But anyway, uh, so in in reading, in reading that book is kind of what really introduced me to, to this record, and it's so, it's so funny because as I went through, I can only imagine how different it is to listen to a band years after you know their catalog has come out. Right. And so I had the ability to kind of go through, and as I'm reading this chapter, (laughs) start with, you know, the earlier records and move all the way up through frame and canvas. And of course, when that book was written, um, you guys hadn't gotten back together. I don't, because I think that came out in 2008 or whatever. So you hadn't gotten back together yet. But uh, to kind of hear the progression of the band, because you you kind of had, I like to describe it as like a bit of an angular sound. Um, And I I feel like you kind of held on to that with just like, uh, whether it's, you know, like, time signature changes or just doing you know in in a time when skate punk was blowing up you weren't doing skate punk right like you were doing something that was a little a little different and mm-hmm. uh, but by the time frame and canvas came around you were kind of like smoothing those edges out um, what do you think was kind of I guess leading to that like it's not like you shifted your sound was it just that you'd sort of more found your sound you think by that point
1: yeah for sure when we were when we. um Recorded frame and canvas and when we were writing those songs, we were on tour Constantly, I mean we I remember writing one of the songs never will come for us on tour Like just before a show Chris and I like just playing acoustic guitar Um, So we just became a more cohesive smoother unit uh, working together and through playing all the shows, we I think we maybe fine-tuned the music to play live. What I'm trying to say is that playing, we we were excited to play live. Obviously, we couldn't stop touring. We toured all the time. So when it came time to write a new record, I think we always were thinking about, well, how is this going to sound live? Right. Uh, how is, is going to how is it going to be heard how are we going to be able to play it and is it going to confuse people or is it going to be a, <laughs> an energetic wild ride that everyone can enjoy right. so i think that probably had something to do with it
0: when writing for braid especially like at this time what like i don't know how to ask this and, may, and maybe i was i was trying to ask it earlier too but What goes into, I guess, the process of what what does writing a Braid song look like? Because, you know, I mentioned like the different, you know, like you'll be going one way and then like a 90 degree turn, you're going another way sort of thing. Like uh, when you sit down to write a song with Braid, do you have that in mind going like, okay, let's throw them, you know, a bit of a loop here? Or is it more just you're just jamming and it comes out?
1: No, it's it's um, it's kind of a lot like how I was describing the Exquisite Corpse band working Mm. When we wanted to work on a song, we very, very rarely jammed. And right. I really disliked that. I didn't think it was very productive for yeah. us, at least. Um, so we very much thought about writing music in terms of the song. And then sometimes where a song would be in sequence on the album. Okay, yeah. Right. Yeah. So we would decide, well, if the song's first, then it needs to be this particular way, because this is how we want to grab people's attention, or just at least make it a first impression. Yeah. Um. So yeah, we were always aware of how the song was going to be completed while we were writing it. If if that makes any sense, it was never like let's just go on this journey and see where it takes us. And some yeah. bands do that, and they're awesome yeah. at it and make great music. But for us, and we just worked better within that framework sure of deciding what we wanted to be making and then we would make it
0: yeah right on so let's move on to uh, your next polyvinyl release which mm-hmm. is from of montreal hissing fauna are you the destroyer <laughs> Foremost, that is a title. Yeah, that, <laughs> that is, is an album name. title. Yeah. What? So what? Well, makes...
1: Some of those. Li- some of those titles are weird. Are, are wild as well.
0: <laughs> yeah. What makes this record stand out for you?
1: Um, it stands out for me because it it came out at a really interesting time in my life. Um, I had just started working for Threadless, which was a, a company here in Chicago, mm-hmm. and was given. I don't know I think they they leaned on me a lot because I had a lot of music connections right and so when I was doing marketing or partnerships or stuff like that or wanted to find um labels or bands to work with, I was kind of the go-to guy to be like, yeah you can you're friends with that person bring them in or let's do something yeah. with them yeah um and so I felt an enormous amount of like freedom when I was like going to shows or like seeing you know seeing bands play or, or when bands friends of mine were coming through town on tour. I would bring them into the warehouse, go pick out a bunch of shirts. Um, This was kind of around the time that hit this, the record hissing fauna came out. And I remember going to see them play here at the Metro with some people from, from work from threadless and being struck by how catchy they were, but also not, but also like, how um, complex yeah. the songs were. yeah, And they, when I was, you know, that album really hit it home. And what it was cool to me that it was on polyvinyl because they seem polyvinyl seemed to be, and they, they still are really on like the pulse of what was going on and what was happening and what was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and exciting, and this was an exciting record, and it was like it's fun, it's catchy, you can like dance to it. And I, yeah. I was I was also um DJing at the time at like this restaurant here in in Chicago, and you know you could play Out Montreal, and yeah. you don't feel you. Know, it's not like you feel like you're trying to get the dance floor moving, but everyone's gonna be right bopping their heads and having a having a good time.
0: Yeah, this was my first time. I want to say my first time listening to of Montreal. I've, the name has been one that I've been forever. Yeah. I've been familiar with for a while, but uh, this is the first time I I put them on. And this record that I was trying to figure out, I was like, how do you describe it? And I think when you said, you know, like it's catchy, but it's also complex makes me feel like, okay, like what I'm hearing um, makes a little more sense because like what I wrote down for my one note is this record sounds like if the Beatles stayed together but dabbled in some seventies funk, and then yeah. some eight and some eighties like synth pop, new wave sort of thing, because it's yeah. it's it's got all sorts of like influences, and then yeah, the, it'll be like this kind of like upbeat, dancey sort of thing going on, and then all of a sudden it it shifts and it gets a little psychedelic, and nice. you know, I mean, the album artwork itself is psychedelic, yeah. Uh, so it's it's kind of this this cool mix all at least this record i couldn't speak for the rest of their uh their discography but like it's also a little lo-fi on the you know on the sound i found um but yeah no it's a it was a an interesting listen i think that
1: yeah good i, I think the they've been around for a long time and when that yeah. record came out they had been around for kind of a while so uh, what I had found was the records before that were a little more psychedelic and pop, right? Okay. And the ones after that got really sort of experimental and avant-garde, and kind of not into them as sure. much. Sure. Yeah. But this was the one I think where it's just they were really firing on all cylinders. It, hit, it was so such it, a fun thing to listen to.
0: Hit the sweet spot for you.
1: It did. That's pretty
0: awesome. Um, so let's move this. This record actually. So we're going to move into another one of of yours and I should have said that braid frame and canvas was actually released on polyvinyl so sure it kind of kind of fits in the mold. This one was not, however. Uh Hey Mercedes loses control. Mm-hmm. So I, as I mentioned earlier, this was the album that introduced me to your work and eventually what would introduce me to braid as well. Okay. Um and, and it came out at a time where, you know, basically anything that was on Vagrant Records, I was going to go and I was going to buy it, or at least check it out, right? Cool. Yep. And so, what was I guess what was the thought behind a? So let's take us through Hey Mercedes becoming a thing because Hey Mercedes, I believe was it an EP or something along those lines was released on polyvinyl, and then you yes. eventually made a jump. So, so what was the idea behind starting Hey Mercedes? Um, in
1: 1999, Braid broke up initially. Mm. Yeah. Um, and pretty soon when, pretty soon after we decided we were going to break up, three of us decided we still wanted to be in a band together. <laughs> um, cause there was one guy, um, Chris, who wanted to do different things. Yeah. And, and so we just want, we kind of wanted to keep going. And so because we had been a band for so long and done so much touring and recording and stuff, we didn't want to just be brave without Chris So we decided to start a new band and that's when Hey Mercedes started. And so that EP came out in 2000 Mm -hmm. and then on polyvinyl. And then Braid had in 1998 and 97 toured a lot with the get up kids, like literally a hundred shows. We played with get up kids and went to Europe with the get up kids, became really good, great friends with them. So when Hey Mercedes started in 2000, they had already signed to Vagrant. And they were like, hey, get on board. We'll, you know, we'll yeah. introduce you to people. We will put in whatever word for you need. You know, the, and so Hey Mercedes actually flew out to uh, California and played some shows and met all the Vagrant people. Yeah. And then they, um, so then we decided to do Two records with vagrant
0: on. yeah and so so i mean and, and maybe you touched on this a little bit when you said you know when you when you changed the name to hey mercedes because you didn't just want to be braid minus a guy uh was like because i feel like this this music from hey mercedes was is it fair to say that it was a little more straightforward or i don't want to use the word commercial necessarily but like it was did you, were you guys going for a different sound in this or like intentionally, or is it just, again, sort of what was coming out?
1: I, you know, it really, what was, I believe it was what was coming out. And I said before, if Braid did stick together, the next Braid album probably would have sounded a decent amount like Every right. Night Fireworks, the first Hey yeah. Mercedes yeah. record. Yeah. Um, I just think it was a natural progression of the music we were. Making because we never stopped touring and yeah we just started to yeah get into that um just vibe of wanting to play live songs that we could play live and that would sound good live yeah in 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 that sort of yeah. context yeah
0: yeah uh did you notice like a a bump at all in being on vagrant, like, especially at that time, because vagrant was like, I mean, by that point, I guess you'd had, uh, something to write home about was out places. Yeah. You have come to fear the most was out like those, those big, big records that kind of really shot vagrant to the moon were out. But did, uh, did you notice something kind of riding that wave?
1: Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Because one of the first things that we did once we signed a vagrant, they, they, we're doing this tour, this Vagrant America tour, it was yeah, called, yeah, yeah. and it was you know all of the bands. It was Alkaline Trio and Reggie and Get Up Kids and Saves the Day and Dashboard and Anniversary and Hot Rod Circuit, yeah, and Hey Mercedes. And we were on buses, yeah, and it, they were playing like we were playing big places, and it just was a complete sho- shock. We had never been on a bus before, a tour right. bus, and definitely hadn't played too many huge shows like this, but these were like really big, big shows and big um, productions. Yeah. So it was definitely a a bump in that we were playing to a lot more people. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. This, this record is one. It's interesting because I went through, I've referenced this a few times on, on the podcast, but I, I went through a season in life where I kind of had stopped, listening to most of like the stuff I grew up as a kid. I was like, you know, Mm -hmm. I went through this phase. I'm like, nah, you know, I've, I've grown out of pop punk and punk rock and, you know, all this sort of stuff. But there were a few records that really stuck with me still through that time and loses control was one of them. And it was one that actually I brought up um, going back to the beginning of the whole pandemic thing when, you know, everyone was doing different sort of fun, weird things. We did a a handful of episodes where we, we reached out to artists and got them to share a couple albums that they felt were underrated. Mm-hmm. And then we shared some ourselves. And actually, Hey, Mercedes Loses Control. Because the whole idea was, hey, you got time on your hands. Why not check out some new music that maybe you haven't yeah. heard before? And so this record was one that I, I brought up. And it's one that has stayed kind of like... As a regular visitor, I suppose you could say cool. in my rotation. Yeah, it's so, so thanks. thanks yeah, thanks for putting it out. But uh, let's move on now to your next polyvinyl uh, record, which would be not yours, but your next pick, mm-hmm. uh, which would be Owen No Good for No One Now.
2: Who's going the right way down a wrong way street? making a mistake each time our mouths meet on my eyes I know it feels good that's why we shouldn't tonight until there Won't save us Just true faith in Jesus So in the name of her Lord Let's do what we shouldn't
0: So, of course, this is Mike Kinsella. Um, yeah. I was introduced. I'm trying to think if I actually heard Owen first or if American Football would have been it. Either or. It was probably around the same time. Because probably similar to when I heard Hey Mercedes and people were like, yeah, but have you heard about bray Sure, sure. You know? um, but so what makes this record stand out for you?
1: Well, Mike um, is somebody who I've known for a long time because my band in high school friction played a lot of shows with his band in high school captain jazz we both right. played drums for for those bands okay. um but when and he uh he actually went to Champaign urbana as well he was a year younger than i am okay. so he came uh after that uh and he, he put out an ep uh it, well it was weird when he started doing acoustic stuff yeah i i I couldn't help but maybe feel like oh everybody's doing this i was doing it you know like playing acoustic shows and just like just because you were trying it out yeah and maybe i think at first that was his deal and even his first ep or his first album that he put out that was on polyvinyl he would probably say it's not maybe that great
0: yeah
1: or it sounds like somebody kind of figuring it out but when i've heard no good for no one now which i'm pretty sure is his second album mm-hmm. it like just completely changed my whole um out like i don't know what happened to him how <laughs> he became so incredibly sophisticated at guitar right and and singing yeah. i mean he's not like a, and and writing lyrics yeah because none of those three things were part of what I assumed he was awesome at because he's always an incredible drummer. Sure. And just like the rhythm that was just incredible. And so, I mean, when I first heard this, I thought, and he does all the instruments on it. In fact, I think on most, if not all the Owen albums, he does all the instruments Hmm. on. I was just completely blown away because I wasn't really expecting much. I thought it was just, you know, like another guy with an acoustic guitar, just like I am sometimes. And yeah, yeah. It yeah. Is what it's going to be. Yeah. But no, it was just like a complete sonic joy. Yeah. to Listen to. It's
0: interesting yeah. to to listen to, uh, to some of his work as Owen because, like, I mean, obviously that Amer—that first American Football album gets a ton of you know, recognition, which it deserves. Mm -hmm. Uh, But like lyrically that record, it never really did a ton for me. Like it always felt like, well, we're singing, we have, we have lyrics because we need to sing something in a lot of ways. Whereas yeah, like this record, especially I've, I've only really dabbled a little bit in, in Owen, uh, but this record listening to it, like just how deeply personal it gets at times and just how like he doesn't shy away um, you know, from, from approaching some of, some of this lyrical content, but, uh, and then, yeah, he doesn't. He
1: put out a record last year. Yeah. As so just... I was gonna
0: say, he had one out last year that was really good as well. And, but like to double down on, on that with, as you mentioned, like his guitar work, like just the thing I love, I think about Owen when I put it on and listen, any of the albums really is that it reminds me of, you know, what I fell in love with, with American football mm-hmm. kind of, meshing a little bit and maybe this is like a cop-out to say but with like elliot smith sort of vibes uh just his his voice is so delicate for one which i find is pretty similar between those two and then yeah just to get again very raw and very to the point in what he's saying um yeah it's a it's a it's a great listen but uh
1: yeah it's, it's it's great and i um was able to do some touring with mike we went to europe twice and did just like touring in a, in a car. So oh, right it's, on. It's like, it's, it's just the best. Like we yeah. brought our girlfriends with us and it was just like a vacation, a fun, <laughs> fun vacation.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. Um. So let's move into back to one of your, your records, which I, I mentioned it briefly earlier. Um, Braid, no coast. Mm-hmm. So, okay. This is where I, I, I gotta be open and honest. I absolutely, <laughs> I don't know why I need to say this. I love this record to death. Like, oh, cool! From the first time I, I didn't heard know where it, you
1: were going with that. It's like, I yeah, got that's why I was like, I don't this know if I need to sucks. say this. Yeah,
0: this record is horrible. <laughs> why did you put it out? No, um, because here's the thing. I think a lot of times, and maybe you, you know, you felt this in the past too with different bands. But when bands, you know, break up for a while or go on hi- hiatus or whatever, and then they come back, and that record that comes out, you know, sometimes it just doesn't. Live yeah. up to what you're hoping for, right? And the thing yeah. I I think the thing I love about this record, and maybe in when you mentioned, you know, with Hey Mercedes, that if Braid had stayed together, you feel like that, you know, that next Hey Mercedes record or whatever would have been very similar to what Braid would have put out. Because what I find with this album is that those Hey Mercedes records really kind of like play a nice transition into the sound on on this record. Because you know, you I feel like the production got a lot cleaner. Mm-hmm. in Hay Mercedes and so you have that value on no coast but then you also have you know a lot of those braid sort of um signature pieces and what and what but it's just re- feels like a really nice mix between Hay Mercedes and earlier braid stuff and it just gets pulled off so well so um nice. yeah and i it, it's forever going to have a place in my brain because uh last year we drove So I live in Western Canada and we drove all the way across Canada because, you know, there's a pandemic. What else are you going to do? You know, got nothing going on. So let's hop in an RV and drive to visit my family on the other side of the country.
3: Yeah.
0: And uh, that was where I actually really discovered this record again in reading uh, posts by Eric Grubbs diving into Braid and seeing like, oh, shoot, you guys had something that came out not that, you know, not too, too long ago. Mm Mm-hmm. And so it's forever just going to be stuck in my brain as like this drive across Canada that I listened to it so many times. But why don't... uh, How did did that album come to be? Because like you guys, you know, you broke up in 99, you said. You kind of went on and did separate things. Where where did that all come back together and how did that come to
1: be? Well, um, around 2010, 2009, 2010, um, like Chris broach who was the other guitar player in braid who was he was not in Hey mercedes yeah um he sort of returned like he <laughs> he was he was like gone for a while it wasn't i mean he didn't go anywhere he just yeah. wasn't around. he just didn't wasn't around didn't hang out yeah. wasn't playing shows or whatever and so nobody really saw him and then around like i said 2009 he sort of came back and we reconnected and we we actually started djing together um at a bar just doing you know like punk rock night or whatever yeah and one night just was like should we just start we actually tried to start a new band okay. with a friend of ours and it wasn't working so well but we were just like maybe we just should try and write some braid songs and todd and damon were into it and we did like an ep actually the ep is on polyvinyl
0: <laughs> oh right on <laughs> that's funny there you um
1: go. <laughs> closer to close but then um we did, uh, yeah. Then we decided to do the full album, yeah, which was on top shelf. And it's, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the, you know, the idea that a lot of times when bands go on these long hiatuses and they come back, and sometimes they're just they sound tired, I don't know, or yeah. old. Yeah, I we I was very very concerned about that. Um, we all were to yeah. not want to sound like old yeah i wanted it to be very it's very very energetic and like youthful like kind of how we were because i really just didn't want it to sound like adult contemporary braid <laughs> yeah
0: yeah <laughs> i mean i think there's something too about just getting and I th- i watched a short little uh, documentary that's up on YouTube that must have been I think it was probably came out before the record is a bit of a promo thing but uh, and I don't know if it was you or if it was Chris or someone else who had said you know just as you get better at your instruments and better at what you're doing like you typically you know write better songs or something along those lines because it is just interesting when bands take some time off and they come back and you just go oh like there's part of it I think a lot of times is longing for what was you know and (laughs) and when bands have been around for a while and they make you know they kind of evolve their sound that happens a lot too you see people freak out when things sound different right but um but then like just getting better at your instruments I think definitely plays a part too right like the more you play the the more comfortable and the better you're essentially going to be so I think it really comes across and I was talking with um there's a friend of mine his name's Danny he hosts uh, a podcast called Five Songs or Less and I mm-hmm. I just mentioned I said hey you know I'm interviewing Bob Nana from Braid. any questions that you guys want asked or whatever and then we just ended up having a discussion about No Coast and I think mm. he said specifically he's like easily the best comeback record of all time oh, and wow. uh, which I mean obviously that's going to be you know completely up to whoever's listening to it but and what mm-hmm. you know what world you come from but it it's such a solid record like it's it is my go-to if i'm listening to braid which is funny to say because you know all like framing canvas is one of those ones that just gets brought up and i'm like yeah but no coast these guys mm-hmm. can still go like <laughs> it's fantastic so
1: awesome thanks
0: let's move into uh, your next polyvinyl pick which was uh, pele the nudes <laughs> Yeah, tell me about this band. What why why this record stands out.
1: Well, Pele I love this record. Um Pele's from Milwaukee, mm-hmm. which is nearby, and so they became I think they were friends of ours, they had been for a while, and we just knew them and um were friends with them, so we saw them play a lot. Um why I love this record in particular is it's all instrumental. Yeah. And the three it's a three piece and each member is insanely talented like ridiculous (laughs) yeah and what i just love it's a i loved that they were able to pull off a record that of songs that i i honestly believe are really catchy Mm -hmm. but they're instrumental yeah and also they don't they sort of know their space. It's all it's not like and it's not jazzy. Yeah. It's it's like, you know, rock, like um but there's like noodly parts in it. But yeah. it's not like jazzy, it's not um pretentious. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not you know, whatever I'm not saying jazz is pretentious, but you know what I mean it, <laughs> sometimes it can go there. Jazz nerve. Where it's just like, yeah, we're just yeah. Yeah, yeah, We're better at this than you are. In For sure, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. This this sort of brought it down to a level that a dude like me who likes rock bands or whatever could yeah. be like really um, impressed by it. Yeah. And also it, the yeah. The, no, go oh, go ahead. Yeah. Well, what's cool is the two of the members, um, the guitar player Chris and the drummer John, play in the band now called Volcano Choir. Okay. That um, Justin Vernon sings on. Sings oh yeah, in. yeah 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 yeah. And uh, it's sort of like Pele with Bonnie Vare singing. Damn, I'm gonna, <laughs> it's awesome. Well, Go check yeah, that out.
0: Yeah, I'm, you said it was called Volcano Choir. I'm literally opening, Choir. opening up Apple Music right now because that sounds. I haven't listened to Boni Vare in quite some time. Dude, but
1: l- the, listen to the newest. There's two Volcano Choir records, and the second one is called um, Repave.
0: Uh, We are adding it right. now. Are you saying listen to Repave? Is that the one you're? The album, yeah. 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 Okay. Oh my god, it's, it's yeah, added is now. A, yeah. <laughs> there's
1: a song called There's a song on there called Bygone. That yeah, was one it was by far one of my favorite songs of right that, that year that it came out. Yeah. But yeah. Pele, you said you went on a little YouTube. Yeah. So I was going to say okay. I couldn't.
0: I I went on like a rabbit rabbit trail or whatever of YouTube live videos. There's not really many of them. Yeah. Um, but I couldn't wipe the stupid grin off my face watching, huh. you mentioned John Mueller, the drummer, watching yep. that guy play drums. I was like, he's he, he's fun. Like a, he's insane. Like he's yeah. so, he's so good. And then B, he just like, looks like he's having the time of his life and also incredibly relaxed. I feel like, yeah. is the, I'm trying to think if the name of the song is, is it like nude beach pinhole camera or something yeah. along those lines? Um, And as he's playing this, it looked like it was on maybe like some, uh, you said they're from Milwaukee, right? So I feel like it was like some like local Milwaukee blog entertainment sort of thing that had done Mm -hmm. their performing in a studio. And I swear the whole time he's just got his like eyes closed, but a smile on his face and he's just going off. And, um, yeah, they're, they're so much fun to watch. And when I first put it on, you know, I was kind of, I did one of those things where I'm like, Okay. When when does the singing start? You know, like, I like instrumental music. Like, there's a ton of post-rock bands that I can get really into that, you know, I very much have to be in the mood. But I think when you say, like, it's catchy, you have a point because listening to this felt less like I was once I realized what was happening, it felt less like I was waiting for those vocals or thinking like, oh man, because a lot of post-rock bands, I'm like, this would be so amazing yeah, right? <laughs> if someone was singing over top of this, right? Yeah. I didn't get that with this band because they're doing, I think, and everything so well and mm-hmm. enough of it that, yeah, like the songs, you bring up the jazzy thing. That was one of the things that I, I kind of like noted as like, especially watching uh, John play drums. Was yeah, like he, he's got he, that cl-
1: style.
0: Yeah, I was like, he clearly looks like either he grew up as a jazz drummer or has fallen in love with it, learned it at some point in time, but he just, he, he has that free, that just free flowing style that I think, you know, a lot of jazz drummers definitely have. And so, uh, yeah, this was, this was a rad album. And and when I was like looking it up, was it, um, who was someone from the promise ring, right? Was originally in the band. I think I saw,
1: uh, Don't know that. I know it's three people. It's Matt Tennyson, Chris yeah. Rosino, and John Mueller. Uh, Scott Matt...
0: Scho- Scott Showenbeck used to be in the band, I guess.
1: Oh, really? Yeah. So
0: he's pl- you know he plays with he plays dashboard, dashboard. now. Yeah. yeah. Um I didn't so know it that. says uh, what after so uh, where does it say this early in Pele's career? No, I want the beginning because I think he was like yeah. Uh, the group formed in the summer of '97 by guitarist Chris Rosano, bassist Scott Schoenbeck, and drummer John Mueller. Wow, I um, didn't know that. Yeah, that's. I was like, really there, and I, I feel like I saw their name come up somewhere else as well. Like I was like just going down a Wikipedia rabbit hole as well, and but I, I don't remember what the connection was. But yeah, um, so that was. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then I had to double check. I was like, is Scott still in Dashboard? Because sure last, is. which is funny, because last time I saw Dashboard live, I was like. I swear it's an entirely different band because he just doesn't look anything like he did, you know, when you know getting to know Dashboard in the early two thousands, right? But right. <laughs> yeah. um Yeah, let's uh let's move on to uh, a record that you mentioned earlier that you released last year, Celebration yes. States. Yes. Um so you kind of alluded a little bit to it in that you had a new record coming out, you had a tour planned, and the world shut down.
1: Yeah.
0: What does that do? To an artist because I, I'm you know, I, I've never been in that, you know, I've played in bands, but never been in bands that, you know, we had records come out and tours and all this sort of stuff. So like that typical cycle obviously gets broken. So yeah. what does a musician do in that state?
1: Well, I I'm probably an atypical musician in the sense that I don't tour that much and I don't I mean I love touring. I will tour all year long if I could but mm-hmm. it's not my it's not my main source of income and I don't think I've made money on any tours I've done in the past three or right. four years but yeah. uh, <laughs> so it's more like a love thing you know what I mean yeah. labor of love sort of thing yeah. as opposed to being like my main income source which it not yeah um, so I really feel felt for you know dashboard for instance and get up yeah. kids where they were on tour yeah. When it all shut down, they had to just turn around and go home. Or you know, Mike Kinsella, American football, had a tour. Had I think mm-hmm. they just canceled another uh, tour. So I just saw, yeah. but um, so it, it didn't hit me the way that it would hit right. those bands that were really counting on the, the, the just whatever the, the experience, the money, the yeah. the the that you know part of their schedule or yeah. that year. But um, yeah, for me. I mean it's a bummer I had one of my I, ha- I was going to play In South America For the first time oh, Yeah um, Obviously that got Canceled I got, Yeah and Did you end up
0: Did you end up doing any Like live stream Sort of stuff
1: Yeah yeah. I did You know how You know we're saying You know pandemic You'd start Yeah Pulling Trying to pull rabbits Out of hat, You know like Trying to do whatever you can Well I decided to do This like um, Instagram live uh series of videos where I showed you how to play each song on Celebration States. Oh, cool. Yeah. Yeah, That's... so I, I would come on during the day. I did the, the 10 days leading up to its release. I did this, and I was like, I played the song, and then I just showed you how to play it. Because yeah. the, the whole album is just me and a guitar.
0: Yeah, it's beautiful. It's amazing. Thank you. Um And you also... <laughs> I lo- I just saw the video for Mister Albatross today, oh yeah, uh, which is great because your Still cat d- made a- in this apartment. Yeah, as I was gonna say, your cat made an appearance earlier in this episode, which is great because your your cat's in the video. She's
1: all over the like. Yeah. and I didn't put her. I didn't like place her <laughs> in it. She was just always there,
0: even when she's on the chair where it's just like an in- an instrumental section, and you know the cat sitting on the chair. Well, that it.
1: that's the sort of thing where it's just <laughs> like the chair because I when I was filming that I had to leave the chair where it was because I right. was moving it. I think like 14 inches every day towards the back door. Oh, were you moving?
0: Okay. Interesting. Like, I noticed like some of the shots, it kind of like changed a little bit. But so you were like, you were intentionally like moving it away 14 inches. No, not
1: moving. No, the camera moved too. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So the camera was always the same distance from the chair, but the whole. Yeah thing that's a, rig moved
0: slowly making your way out slowly making my way out the door um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah
1: so the chair was always sitting there and just oftentimes i would come out of my room or something and she would just be laying on it and I'd yeah like, well all right that's we're gonna film spots. your scene now yeah <laughs> that's funny yeah, yeah it's
0: a, it's a great a fun little idea for a video because i mean a i'm assuming it costs you next to nothing yeah uh to make it did well, you like yeah. did did you do the whole like did you edit it and everything yeah. or was it yeah okay so um and yeah then, when
1: well yeah i mean a uh, new granada the label to put it out they wanted to see they thought you know maybe you should do try and do like a, a pandemic type video for it and i was like yeah. i just sat and thought about it and i was like i have this weird idea <laughs> and i come up with weird ideas sometimes but yeah. i was glad that i was able to make that work yeah
0: it would have been great i saw someone who commented it's like oh you should have grown a beard during the film did.
1: did you <laughs> I did at the beginning. I'm clean shaven. Yeah,
0: that's that's awesome.
1: I mean, uh, whatever. I grew what 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 beer I was, could grow. I was gonna say what well,
0: yeah. By the end of it, you weren't like a, a you know a, a bushman or something. But no, no. <laughs> it's it's a great video um, and the record. I, I love it. Um, Thank you. I'm trying to think when like I I think that one. I I was following you on Twitter by the time it came around, so I was, I, I added it and listened to it, and I love finding because so much of the music that i listen to is definitely more on the like the energetic full band side yeah. right like it's just uh you know the way what i what i'm attracted to but i also love hearing those albums that are like i like falling in love with a singer's or a songwriter's style of songwriting in one genre and then being able to see it and hear it in another mm. sound that's yeah. just like so to be able to hear mm yeah these songs kind of like in a in a different sound, but still being able to go oh this is this is clearly Bob Nana, not just because you're singing but your writing style, right like yeah, you know, I mentioned Dave Bazan earlier in the episode, and he's a writer that, regardless of the sound of his music that he's putting out, you can tell a Dave Bazan song um sure. from all other songs, and I feel like you know you've you've got your own unique writing style, so it's nice to be able to it's also one that I like to listen to um at night. I like to joke so. I have this set of Bluetooth headphones that are like built into a headband, essentially. So the idea is you can lay in bed with these headphones on and it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't like, so they're like the, the lamest thing when I think about it, but I, I love the idea of especially going back and, uh, you know, like listening to say whether you know it's like old post hardcore bands like let's say fugazi for instance you know i'm like laying in bed listening to fugazi on these like headband headphones and i'm like this is this is what ian and guy were picturing when they were writing these songs is dude listening on his ridiculous headphones but yeah exactly um, yeah so let's move into the final record on the list and i left left this one for last because you you sent it to me right away as you're like this one i know is on the list yeah uh And it's by Aloha and the album is Here Comes Everyone. So what what makes this record stand out for you?
1: Well, it is one of my favorite records of all time. Aloha is one of my favorite bands of all time. And I love, first of all, the record starts with, I can't think of another record that starts with a perfect five pack of songs. Like the first five <laughs> songs are just, perfect yeah um i I, this this band and this album just hit me in all of the right ways because there's a little bit of jazziness to it Mm -hmm. there's some time signature weirdness there's immense just really great tuneful um guitar work and piano work i really love the singer's voice tony uh his voice is has a not paper thin quality he's got an airiness to it yeah but can but still has a little bit of soul to it like you know you can hear like vibrato sometimes so it's not it's not like uh, he's aware i think he's aware of 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 his of the space that his voice is taking up in the songs and then Lyrically, the, the one thing I think that's kind of maybe a bummer about the album is you can't hear some of the lyrics as well yeah. as I would want to because yeah. if you read along, the lyrics are in, they're so good. Mm. The first line of the first song is, first of all, the song starts with this nuts, crazy drum thing. Yeah, yeah. So cool. Yeah. But the first line is, you're alive thanks to a strange chain of events. That started with the death of Elvis. <laughs> and it's
0: just
1: like I, it's just sort of like, wow, where are we going now with this? It's it's yep. so, so, <laughs> so well done.
0: Yeah. Vocally, it's it's funny because that is one of the things I noticed were the vocals, but all I could all I like kept getting was or all I could think of. Is it reminded me of like for whatever reason, early 70s, like, folk sort of. Like, there was just something going on that felt very familiar, if that that makes sense. But this this also, this record did something to me that doesn't happen all the time, and it was actually specifically one song. The first time Perry Como Gold came on, and I listened to it through, I immediately put it back on. Like, typically, Yeah. yeah, typically when I listen to an album i'm like i want to listen to the album right like yeah sure there are standout songs but i typically will just put something on and leave it on start to finish but that song there was something because it's most of it is just vocals and piano Mm -hmm. very simple and then the band comes in i want to say two-thirds three-quarters of the way through the song whatever it may be but when they come in they just like absolutely hammer you um And it's just so good. And like I just remember the first time I listened to it, it was one of those things where I was like, "Oh, the band." So you kind of turn it up, and then they like change something, they do something, you're like, "Oh shit!" And you like turn it up more, and you're like, "What is going?" It's so, it's such a, it's such a good song. And um,
1: I, I that's such a good song too. And again, the lyrics are so good. There's a lyric that's like, "Everybody has something that they want to see torn down, but not these small homes that have walked on stilts." Um, or the roller rinks and bakeries that have shut it up since Isabel. Like it's about a hurricane.
0: Yeah. And it's
1: like about beachside. It's so beautiful. You don't know that. Yeah. And until like halfway through the song, it's so, it's just beautiful.
0: Yeah. No, it was, uh, this is always a fun little experiment that we've been doing, like with this series where we look at different record labels and then get artists to share their five favorites. Because oftentimes, you know they're they're very different from the five favorites that we may pick or whatever right so it's yeah. just a great opportunity like it takes me back a little bit to you know like when i would have been first getting into you know any sort of punk music or whatever not that any of these records are really punk albums at all but like um you know like getting into those that sound and those bands it's just like people telling you oh you got to listen to this you got to listen to this you got to mm-hmm. listen to this and that still for sure happens and i just feel though that the day and age that we live in now with like digital streaming music the thing that misses is like someone can tell you and then you put it on for a couple seconds and either it hooks you right away or it doesn't right we're in such right. like a living in such a, a world or a time where it's just like you almost like you're looking for instant gratification right and like the thing is like with streaming it'll it it provides that for you because you can literally go no that's no good I'll move on to the next there's no like real reason for someone to connect to something unless it grabs them immediately. But in doing something like this, where, you know, all five of these records, Owen was the only band that I'd ever listened to Mm. prior to this. All five of these records. It's just like someone else telling me how good something is, but then me having a reason to actually sit down and listen to it and going like, Oh yeah. Like, so I love being able to come out of these things and go, you know, I'm not going to go back to every record necessarily, but bands like Aloha and bands like Pele, where I'm like, I'd never even heard of these bands. Yeah. And here they are listening to them. I'm just like, oh, like, why haven't I heard of these bands? Like, there yeah. is some legit stuff going on here. So uh it's a bit of a fun practice, to say yeah. the least. Yeah, so it was fun for me
1: to do as well. <laughs> yeah, I had yeah. some trouble picking. I mean, the other ones I wanted to pick, the Julia Jacqueline record from last year was really yeah. great um Raina maria put out really great records there the the owen record that's called at home with owen yeah is incredible i love it yeah um there's really yeah there really is a ton of, of good stuff on polyvinyl and they've yeah. been so great at you know just keeping up yeah with not getting stuck in a pigeonhole in some genre yeah. or whatever and yeah it's 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 very very cool, and I'm so happy for them. So it's
0: I just realized over, it's like it's very fitting over my. Shoulder. I saw that immediately, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, "You just put
1: that there, didn't you?" It,
0: well, it's funny because I I did just put it there, but we did an episode recently on Equal Vision, and in the middle oh. of the episode, I was like, "I have an Equal Vision sticker hanging around somewhere. I don't know where it is." And then so I went to look for it. I found it, but with yeah. it was this polyvinyl sticker because I think it came with. Um, Oh, I bought the, uh, the Anthology of Emo Books, uh, which also is where like these like show posters came from oh, or whatever, cool. which yeah. I believe you're in one of those. There's an yeah. interview with you, so it's, it's so very it's... fitting. But, but yeah, so I was like, oh, I should put it up. I got to do something with it. I don't, have, I don't have any place to put stickers anymore, so <laughs> they, yeah, just go to, point. they just go to waste, so they get tacked to the wall. But anyways, man, this was a ton of fun. Um, yeah. I was, I was pumped that you'd do it, so thanks for sitting
1: down. No problem. Thank you for asking me. I'm glad we really want to...